And it's great to have some new guys on the uh, worship team today, right? Awesome, awesome. <laughs> and, and some old guys on the worship team. No, nobody, nobody old on this worship team. All right, you can have a seat. Oh, well, God is so good, isn't he? And it's great to be together here in the Lord's house. We're getting close to the end of summer, start of school, a new season coming. And I don't know about you, but I want it to be the best season with God I've ever had. Anybody? Again, anybody else want in on that? Anybody else? You know, uh, I, I, was, I began my ministry as a pastor in a local church in June of 1979 in the small uh, western Canadian city of Estevan, Saskatchewan, Canada. And that is the hometown of one of my spiritual heroes, Bishop Don Bastian, who, uh, who's been a great mentor and model to me. And so I, I kind of got started looking up to and following a great mentor. Then I got appointed to the Free Methodist Church in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is a more urban center, a great city actually, out in the Canadian prairies. And the pastor before me was a man who uh, actually grew up in the States, came back to the States, became bishop of the Free Methodist Church in uh, USA. His name was Les Krober. And uh, Les was a good friend of mine and it was an honor to follow him in ministry. And after I'd been there, I was quite a bit younger than Les. I was the newbie, the young guy. And uh, we had some special meetings in our church, several days when there was um, evening services. And one of the women in our church got up and asked if she could speak and give a testimony. And she said, you know, when this young guy, this Glenn Teal guy came and followed this amazing spiritual leader, Les Krober, uh, she said, I was a little concerned. You know, I, I, was, I was a little worried for him. She said, you know, he's got really big shoes to fill. And then she said, the Lord spoke to me and said, Les Krober took his shoes with him. And she honored me and she spoke hope into me. She said, God's got you here now. Two churches later, I went to Spokane, Washington, a church called Timberview, and I followed the founding and only pastor of that church. Been there 14 years. Uh, that pastor is now the lead bishop of the Free Methodist Church USA. His name is Matt Thomas. So I kind of have made a career out of following great pastors. And you know I came here, followed our current superintendent, Brad Button. And I know what it's like to kind of be the new guy in. And to feel like you sort of have to live up to the reputation. Now, think about that and think about this man, Joshua. The Old Testament hero that we are going to learn from today. He happened to follow a pretty amazing spiritual leader. You may have heard of him. Moses. Yeah, that Moses. Moses, the one who got the Ten Commandments, right? The one who led the children of Israel through the Red Sea, the, the defining moment. It's kind of interesting. If you study Old Testament uh, history, the, the crossing of the Red Sea was for the children of Israel the defining moment of their uh, connection to Almighty God. God showed up. God delivered them. God defeated the mightiest army, the most advanced culture in the, in the world at that point, the Egyptians. You think about Egyptian history, all they had going for them, all their mighty military, God wiped them out. Drowned them in the Red Sea. 
delivered the children of Israel. And this is the man that God used, this mighty Moses. And then God takes Moses up to the mountaintop. And we're familiar with the echoes of it in the I have a dream speech of Martin Luther King Jr. I have seen the promised land. He's quoting from Moses when God took him up to the mountaintop and said, there's the promised land. You've delivered the children of Israel. You've gotten them to this point, but you're not going in. And remember Martin Luther King Jr. said, I may not get there with you, right? He was, he was playing off of that. He was riffing on that. That sometimes a great leader is, is raised up and used by God to take a certain people to a certain point, and then he raises up another leader. And in this case, it was Joshua. Much younger, much less famous or influential. He became one of the great leaders of, the, of God's people, but when he started, it was daunting. I'll never forget my first year as a pastor. I loved Joshua chapter 1. I wrote out several of the verses and put them on the desktop of my office. I'd like you to listen to those with kind of the mindset of what it must have felt like for Joshua to be charged to follow Moses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where, your foot, where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. For your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, and all of the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Here it is. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Somebody give me an uh-huh, something. Isn't that good? I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors before them. Be strong and very courageous. That's the second time. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Here comes number three. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God wants us to be courageous people. I think sometimes we don't even get the beginning of that. You know, we live in in 21st century North America where Christianity these days is kind of wimpy. I mean, we're we're sort of... The truth about us as a a people is we're sort of... um, casual, half, half-hearted, half-alive. You know, if you study any measure of what Christians are like in North America these days, and we're kind of sleeping, going through the motions. God wants to wake us up and put courage in our spine and call us to be people who are strong and courageous. 
who are willing to deal with our stuff, who are willing to seek forgiveness from one another, who are willing to speak out and speak up for the Lord, who are willing to step out and say, God, if there's something that you're up to, I want to be part of it. Sacrifice and, and service and daring and faith are normal for Christ followers. And yet somehow we've lost sight of that. Be strong and courageous. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your family. Fight for victory over the junk that binds you and the past that haunts you. Fight for courage at school. When your friends aren't courageous, you stand up. At the club, in your office, wherever, whenever, however, be strong and courageous. And he tells us in this passage, when he speaks to Joshua, he speaks to me. He speaks to you. The courage of of responding to God's call on our lives. God has a call on your life. I, I know you may not feel called to be a pastor or a missionary, but my prayer is that you you're called to be a Christ follower. Somewhere, sometime, you heard the still, small voice of God's Spirit. And I know you. I love you. You are not an accident. I have a purpose and a plan with your name on it. And somewhere, sometimes, somehow, maybe it was in church, maybe it was at a Christian camp, maybe it was all on your own, somewhere you heard the call of God. There really is an infinitely powerful, all-loving God who spoke everything into existence And when the time was exactly right, sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to live for you, to offer you a new life. That's the call of God. And every single one of us need to decide what we're going to do about it, right? Are you going to say yes? Are you going to receive that call and obey that call? Because that's, here's what it means. Uh, It's a life for a life. It, It is not what we have sometimes interpreted it to be. It is not just trying to be kind of a little bit nicer and, you know, having a safe and comfortable life. And I think sometimes we've mixed up the American dream with God's call. I mean, I love the American dream, and I'm trying to live it. I think by God's grace, I am. You know, having good things, having a happy family, having a secure and peaceful world, but God's purposes are bigger than that. He's got more for me in mind than that. We have settled in and settled down for far less than what God really wants for us. I know I think about every time Pastor Shane gets up and says, we're going to go serve somewhere. I think a lot of us just are like, well, you know, those those people ought to go. (laughs) That's a really good idea for somebody. Well, what about you? You know, I... It was awesome to see uh, Mickey up here with the kids today. We love our kids, don't we? And, and, and Pastor Cody praying for the teens. And, and uh, you know, every once in a while the word kind of goes out. We could use some help. We need some volunteers. And I think a lot of us just think, well, I hope somebody, I hope somebody does it. What about you? Here in the next little while, you're going to hear about some of our international connections. We've got connections in Jordan with Pastor Rami. He'll be here soon. Uh, we've been sending teams for years to Haiti. 
Uh, we have a connection with the Dominican Republic. The Free Methodist Church has just put out the word and said, we can make a big difference in Puerto Rico. Did you know Puerto Rico is part of this country? And uh, there's still thousands and thousands of people who don't have power, you know, aren't, aren't in uh, adequate housing, and they've said, we're going to be sending teams regularly to Puerto Rico. And when those kind of things come out, I wonder if we say, maybe that'd be good for me. Maybe I'd, maybe I'd try something I've never done before. Maybe God would teach me something. Following Jesus is a call to be courageous. It's a life for a life. I was reminiscing about 2001. How many years ago is that? That's a, long, that's a long time ago now, right? 2001, I was kind of in my midlife journey at that point. And I got this crazy notion that I ought to do something that, to stretch me, to teach me something. And I, it really felt like a God thing. Combination of factors came together. We watched a PBS special on Lewis and Clark. Anybody? Lewis and Clark, some of my favorite guys. And uh, it was about how they had gone out west and done the Missouri River. And, and I said to Nancy, this was like in September. And I said, next summer, I'm going to canoe the Missouri River. <laughs> She's like, you have lost your mind. You know, uh, first of all, you're a little big for a canoe. Uh, <laughs> I need to lose some weight, which I did. And, uh, and we, kinda, we, we were wrestling with this thing called a BHAG. Uh, you heard of a BHAG, B-H-A-G, Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. Something that's going to get you over the line into the, you know, into the crazy, right? Something you've never tried, never done. What is your BHAG? So I was like, okay, my BHAG is to survive canoeing a, several hundred miles on the Missouri River, which I did. I'm here to tell the story. When, I, when we got done, I called a friend from Canada. We got a canoe. We did 13 nights on the riverbank. And, you know, I've never done that in my life, right? And it was just so good for me. It was like I just needed to step out and try something. When I got back, Nancy had a paddle, a miniature paddle engraved with my B-H-A-G and the date and how many miles we've done. And I should have brought it, but someday I'll, I'll bring it and show you. The point of that was that while I was on the riverbank, I got a phone call on my cell phone in the middle of Montana which is like pretty much impossible, except it was a God thing. And it was my friend Joe James, who was then bishop of the Free Methodist Church, and said, would you like to go with me to China in three weeks? And you don't have a passport. And that was my first trip to China, as I said, okay, if I can, if I can get there from here, you know, we'll get, an, we'll get an expedited passport. And God opened up a door in my life in a ministry that has rocked my world and invited me in to what he's up to in China, and I could talk about that all day. I'm just saying, God has big things in store for you if you will say yes. If you will step out, if you will show, if you will respond to the call of God, it's amazing what he'll do. It's amazing what he'll do. The call of God to be a courageous Christian means that just as Moses was used by the Spirit of God to get the children of Israel out of bondage. Joshua was used to lead them into the promised land. 
If you've invited Jesus into your life and asked him to forgive your sins, he has brought you out of bondage. You're no longer a slave to sin. You are a child of God. Amen? You are no longer a slave to sin. You are a child of God. He brought you out. Now, the spirit of Joshua wants to take you in. You know, in the 12th chapter of the book of Joshua, 31 enemy kings are listed as having been overcome one after another, after another, after another. There are enemies to be fought. Fear, guilt, bad habits, broken relationships. Just because you have given your life to Jesus doesn't mean you're done. You're just getting started. There's a life to be lived. There's a promised land to be entered into. God wants you to be free and alive and delivered and strengthened. He wants us all to grow up in him. And it takes courage for us to say, okay, God, I'm in. Do your deal. Work in me. Whatever it takes, I'm yours. That's where it starts. Responding to God's call. Then it's, it's inspiring to me that in the same passage when God is speaking to Joshua about leading with courage, he says that the scriptures, the word of the Lord, are to be his, um, his foundation. And that page has disappeared in my notes. But there's another. Where's that next passage about the Bible? The word, do not let it depart. Meditate on it day and night. Live out of the word of God. When I was a student at Spring Arbor University, anybody know where Spring Arbor is? Uh, It was a college back then, right? Uh, I was in the first class of of contemporary ministries. We were cutting edge. We actually preached on videotape and critiqued it in front of the class. Now, those videotape reels were enormous. The camera was like this, right? I mean, now you could use your smartphone, but we're talking back in the day. And, uh, and I preached from this passage. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. It takes courage to admit you need to take it up a notch with God's word. Because here's what I know. We all like the Bible. We don't all use the Bible. We don't let God use it in our lives the way he wants to use it. I did, uh, did a little research the other day and started looking into some of the pent, uh, trends and patterns I thought I remembered this. 88% of Americans say they own a Bible. 80% think the Bible is sacred. 80%. 61% would like to read their Bible more. The average house has 4.4 Bibles. How many think your house is, a, is at least average? 4.4 Bibles, all right? Now, here's the kicker. 26% read it regularly. And by regularly, they, they mean three or four times a year. Um, Americans love the Bible. We just don't read it much. And that's the truth about us. And it takes courage to say, that's, that, that's, just, not, that's, that's just ridiculous. 
Am I right? That's, that's just ridiculous. So instead of worrying about everybody else in the 4.4 and the 8.9 or the whatever else, what about you? What about you? Where's your Bible? Uh, when was the last time you, you, you spent some time with it? Maybe read a passage and looked it up in a couple of different versions or, or uh, thought about another passage that was related to that passage. Like when's the next, last time? The key word here is engagement. Engagement. You, you didn't just think about it or, or like it. You wrestled with it. You let the Spirit of God speak to you through it. You know, all it takes is some courage and the Spirit and the help of God. I know in my life, whenever I have said to God, okay, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I need help. I can do better. Would you help me, Lord? And then I show up, guess what? He shows up. So maybe you need to download the YouVersion app. Uh, the other day we were listening to Pastor Craig Groeschel from Life Church. They're the guys that developed it. They developed it right at the time that um, smartphones were coming out with apps, right? It was kind of before the, the day of the app. And uh, this 19-year-old part-time worker in their church had developed this thing and came to the pastor and said, you know, people need to engage with their Bibles. They Pretty much everybody has some kind of cell phone. We could figure this out to help them, prompt them, put different versions on there and make suggestions for study plans and reading plans. What do you think? And like, I don't know. Kind, kind of sounds weird. Bible study on your phone. But maybe, maybe the apps are going to be a thing. What do you think? Maybe the apps are going to be a thing. They said they, they loaded it up on the internet on a Friday, and by Monday they had tens of thousands of downloads, and they decided it's a thing, right? It's a thing. Um, maybe that's not you. I, I would suggest you give it a try. Or just get your Bible out and get it where you can get your hands on it and make an appointment to meet with God and decide that you are going to be courageous in your engagement with God's word and let him speak to you. There is nothing like the Bible. Nothing. No other book is like God's book. It speaks. It lives. It is the, the bread of life. Anybody going to eat some bread today? Bread is like the basic, right? Bread is like that's why I need to lose weight. I like bread, right? My, I'm like, Nancy, are we going to have bread today? She's like, well, we, let's, go easy on, <laughs> let's go easy on the bread. I'm like, well, bread is like a basic. Bread is like a staple. Uh, the Bible is the bread of life. It is the word of God. It is his love letter to us. Come on, we can do better than this, can't we? Together, let's do this. I was thinking about, I'm, I'm going into my 40th year as a pastor, and I'm like, you know, by the time I'm done, I want to lead a church that gets it, that's like into this thing, that's courageous. Wouldn't it be cool if, if someday, when I'm not at Davison Free Methodist Church anymore, people say, you know that church, those, those people, those DFMers, they're courageous people. They love God, they follow God, they're into their Bible, they know their way around, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're deeper. 
May it be. May it be. And my prayer is that God's going to do some really cool, deep, strong things in us through his word as we dive into that together. And the last thing this passage teaches me is, remember, remember when God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will go with you. It's all about being connected to the presence of God. It isn't just that the Bible is so amazing in and of itself. It is. But it's even more amazing when it's empowered and enlivened by the Spirit in the presence of God. And the same God that inspired the Scriptures is there when you read it. By His Holy Spirit. He brings it to life. He, he makes the Word come alive to you as you open your heart and mind to Him. So here's the deal. Get into God's presence. Have a passion for His presence. Courage is sustained by life-giving experiences in God's presence. It is my prayer that every Sunday as we gather in this place, we will meet with the powerful presence of God. And when we worship, I mean, I just come on Sunday morning deciding before I even come in, I'm going to like it today. (laughs) I'm going to learn today. I'm going to grow today. I don't care what they sing today. I'd like it if they sing something I know and like, but if they don't, I'm going to like it anyway. I'm going to listen to the song. I'm going to look for a lyric. The other day, Nancy and I were talking about um, one of the songs we sang. It was the one that Nathan led. What, what was that song? What is it? Come to the altar. What's the last line after we've... It's almost like the song is already done. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the What? treasure you found. And we're like, whoa, did you see that? Did you, whoa, who wrote that song? Like that is life-changing, spirit-moving, soul-stirring. Bear the cross as you wait for the crown. Oh my goodness. Thank you, God. And I don't know what your favorite music is. Find your favorite and go for it. Load it up on your, on your radio or your smartphone or your CD player or if you're old enough, your cassette player or if you're really old, your 8-track player, you know, and go for it. If you love Elvis worship, singing How Great Thou Art, go for it. You know, if you like the Gaithers, I, I mean, when we're so old, we like it all, right? We've been through it all every season. Cracks me up when people say, because he lives is a hymn. I'm old enough to remember when it was radical. You know, I've been to hymnody class in seminary. A hymn doesn't have a chorus. A a hymn refers to the character and nature of God. It does not refer to his work in me. It refers to who he is. Like if there is a technical definition for him, it is not old. The word hymn does not mean old, right? Like the music you like. Love the music you love. Let God work it in your life. Lean into it. Go for it. Bless you, my friend. And when we come together, let's just decide that we're here for the presence of God. And we're all, we're all in. Because there's nothing like the presence of God. And then let's pray that not only will we experience the presence of God when we get together, but we will be able to experience the presence of God one day at a time. In that special place that you have found and carved out 
that appointment you've made in your heart with the Lord that says, God, I'm just going to, I'm going to make 15 minutes and I'm going to settle my spirit and I'm going to sing a song or, or remember one or listen to one. I'm going to go to a place in your word and let it speak into my life. And I'm just going to live my life out of your presence so that I go to work out of your presence so that I deal with my kids out of your presence so that I interact with people out of your presence because it's the presence of God in our lives that makes all the difference. Joshua followed Moses and he was there when Moses said this amazing scripture I'm going to close with. The Lord said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth but your presence? <laughs> I love that. I want to live out of the presence of God. So I went to China and I met my new friend and he took me around. I've told you the story. He took me to the market and there were all those nasty critters on a stick, you know, scorpions and stuff. And he says, you, you going to eat it, Glenn? Well, I'm not stupid, you know. He's like, no, no, no. He said, I want to teach you Chinese. He said, there's a very important Chinese expression you need to learn. The expression is, Gan, Bugan. And it, it's the Chinese equivalent of I double dog dare you. Right? So it's like, here's something scary. Here's something out of your comfort zone. Gan, Bugan. Courage? No courage. A life for a life? People of the word? A passion for his presence? Gone. Who God? I double dog dare you. Let's pray. The worship team's going to come. Lord God, as we humble ourselves before you today, help us never to forget it's all about Jesus, not about us. Trying harder, jumping higher, it only messes us up. Trusting more, leaning in, saying yes, help me God. Those are the things that give us life and freedom. So I pray for these, your people, my people. Give us courage. Lord, if there's anybody here today and they can just sort of kind of barely remember the call of God that day back then somewhere. May, may they hear the call again. Give me your life. I love you. I gave my life for you. Would you give your life for me?
Maybe there's somebody who's never said yes. May today be their day. And then look, God, along the way, help us to be serious about your word. Take it up a notch. Step out in obedience. And let's get into your presence, God. Help us to hunger for you. When we meet together, when we meet you one-on-one, Thank you that you're here, you're hovering over us, you're speaking into us. Whatever it is you say to our hearts, we say yes. In Jesus' name we pray.